We had a genuine need for to put in a system that would help us to all become the patient's advocate. You're listening to the Medical Protection Podcast, a real-world series, where we expose the pain points and explore how we navigate the complexity of healthcare today. My name is Dr. Najib Rahman, and I'm an emergency medicine consultant in the NHS and a senior medical educator with Medical Protection. In today's episode, we're going to explore the opportunities and challenges in enhancing the power of the team by democratizing the ability to speak up for safety. While we recognize the importance of checklists, protocols, and guidelines as really valuable tools in enhancing patient safety, there is established evidence that demonstrates the critical value of safety culture in ensuring quality care. But how do we bring this evidence into practice? Joining me today to take a deeper dive into understanding how we deliver on safety improvement is Simon James, the CEO of Kim's Hospital in Maidstone, Kent. Apart from being an experienced health leader and business leader, he is a keen ultra runner, a mountaineer, having climbed 105 of the 282 of the Scottish Monroes. Welcome, Simon. Thank you very much. I'm sure, as in is the case with many of our listeners, I'm probably a bit more interested in finding out about your mountaineering and running experiences. <laughs> so saying that, and to keep somewhat to theme, I suspect there's some lessons in team working that are transferable from mountain peaks to C-suite offices. Uh, yes, well, uh, hi there, Najib. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think there are a lot you can draw from the uh, from the mountains. I guess the first one really is that, um, as you said in your introduction, you can have protocols and um, you can have checklists and you can have everything else, but, but ultimately um, what you need in both uh, circumstances is a good dose of common sense. And um, the other bit I think which is really, really important is communication. If you're walking as a, a group of people, um, uh, you know, communication is, is, is absolutely critical as it is um, running uh, businesses and particularly where you're running a business in a heavily regulated environment where safety is your primary concern. Now, that's really insightful. And I think all of us can recognize the value of communication and, and breaking down those hierarchies, isn't it, in, in a high-risk environment. I mean, just to focus a little bit on Kim. So Kim's Hospital is an independent elective care provider, um, but in this regard, how do you see the role of senior leadership in helping to assess and manage or respond to care-related risks that you see day in, day out? So there, there, there is a saying um, in, in the UK where we talk about the board towards responsibility. Um, and I think, you know, what I say to everybody who comes to Kim's Hospital and, and works there is that, you know, we rely on each other um, to provide a safe working environment. Our number one watchword is safety. Um, and, you know, it's making it a safe environment for our patients to be treated. It's making it a safe environment for our consultants to come and work. And it's making it a safe environment for our colleagues to come and work. So we are all custodians of safety. Um, and I think in my head, it's, it's about very, very simple messaging from the top down and from the bottom up. because to have a safe environment, it's not just about broadcast, but it's also about listening and ensuring that people have the ability and feel that the culture will respond to them speaking up or whatever term we, to put, put, term we choose to put on it um, when they see something they're uncomfortable with. We use the term safety in healthcare, but but actually, ultimately, it's about people feeling uncomfortable that they've seen something that they don't think is right, um, and and could lead to a problem. And you know, ultimately, that's not just about 
patient safety when you run a when you run a facility that's all about health and safety um there there are many reasons why we want to encourage people to talk to us um, when they have an issue and there are many reasons why it's important that that leaders in an organization uh, are, are very clear uh, and very kind of simple in their messaging when it comes to safety okay so uh, i'd like to unpick that a little bit more mainly because of the opportunity presented in speaking to a CEO of an organization. And, you know, as I said, my background is a, more as a frontline physician. Um, and, and we don't often get that chance to kind of connect the two up together. So, you know, one of the challenges we find in complex healthcare settings, particularly in the acute care settings, as well as in other sectors, whether the humanitarian sector or, you know, other industry sectors, is how do we ensure practice standards and, and expectations align with values? Um, so where have you found the most significant challenges in ensuring those organizational values that seem to be understood and embedded at the C-suite function at that higher level where you can work together, you speak the common common value set? How do you make sure that those are embedded throughout the organization with frontline practitioners, healthcare workers, and you know what are the challenges that you face in that? That's a great question. Um, and And I think that let me start off by saying that the values that we talk about in an organization should be everyone's values. They, sh- they shouldn't just be the values of the C-suite. Everybody that works in that organization needs to find some resonance with those values. So ultimately, it starts off when you recruit people into an organization. So we do a lot of discussion around our values and we recruit anyone that joins our organization, be they in the housekeeping or be they a consultant applying for practicing privileges. We're keen to understand how their values align with with our values as an organization. So I think it starts right at the beginning. And then it's about consistency. So, you know, you need to be seen to be living and breathing your values. Um, And, you know, if if I use the recent, you know, experience we've had of going through COVID, you know, a a good example would be mask wearing. So, you know, if I had swanned around the hospital not wearing a mask, okay, I would not be living our values, okay, in, in, simple, in simple terms. We were all required to wear masks at all times. It doesn't matter whether we worked in an office or it didn't matter whether we were, you know, whether we worked in a, in a, in a clinical setting. Now, there are some challenges um, that you've, you know, rightly kind of questioned in terms of how do you ensure the values, you know, are embedded across the organization. So, as I said, when, when people join our organization, we, we, we talk through, we talk them through, uh, in their induction, we talk about the values, and I explain what values are because I'm sure we've all sat through lots of very boring conversations where we, we joined a new organisation and somebody's banged on about the values, and they don't mean anything. But I, I've tried to explain to people what the values are, and, and the way I explain it to people is that every day you're going to be required to make decisions. It doesn't matter who you are in the organisation, and that could be a decision to speak up. It could be a decision to 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 support a patient in some way or support a colleague. And the values will help you to make those decisions. You won't always have somebody around you that, that you can look to to make that decision for you. So the values are the sort of railway tracks, the parameters, the boundaries within which we make decisions in this organization. And that's how I explain it to people. And I think, again, it's that simplicity of messaging. Um, you know, I, I'll give you another example. You know, people it's about how we live our values. So, you know, where we, we have a, one of our values and it's, you know, is, is we don't tolerate bad behavior. Okay. So if I have a consultant that behaves badly, 
we go and talk to that consultant. Now, there we, I know as well as you know, Najib, there are always two sides to every story. Um, so we don't go in there with guns blazing. We go and have a conversation with them. And, and I'll ask them what they think's happened. Uh, uh, but we confront them. You know, so we don't just let people get away with things. And, and, and those create stories which start to, you know, de- you know, add to the environment, you know, add to the flavor of the environment within which the culture develops. Okay. Now, that's, that's really good. So I think there's something about, again, tying back to that, that first opening gambit from the mountain stories was that simplicity and common sense approach, not to kind of overcomplicate with layers of decision making and uh, or, or other kind of technical aspects. So keep it simple, keep it common sense, and make sure the lines of communication are open. Yeah. And that obviously then connects up with the value set. We say, look, we, we believe in providing safe care, and this is part of a core function of our value set as an organization. And, and everyone has signed on to that. Um, so then clearly, you, you know, you, yourself you know, from the perspective of patient safety, it's clearly valuable for patients to be able to speak up. You know, you want staff to be able to speak up. But have you seen this, you know, in, in, you know, how do you measure that? What does that really do for team dynamics, for patients, for the organization? What's the value add for being able to speak up? Because critics might say, well, you know, if, if they're not familiar with these kind of areas of work, they might say, well, what's the big deal? You know, surely healthcare is just a safe business and, you know, speaking up isn't that important. So what is the value that it brings to your organization? Well, I think if someone said, well, healthcare is no different than anything else and it's just, you know, important people speak up, they they, they demonstrate a, probably a, a lack of understanding of the complexities of the world we find ourselves in in healthcare. So, you know, healthcare, for better or for worse, can be quite hierarchical. There is a, there is a sense or there could be a sense that, you know, doctor's always right. Yep, so, yep. And that might be an, that might be an example. Um there are also other complexities. You know, we're a 24 by 7 by 365 business. Um, and, you know, we have different t- staff types working in our businesses. So we have clinical staff. We have, you know, support staff. And, and everybody, and, you know, you might have people from a very practical perspective. You might have people who work, uh, you know, eight-hour shifts. And you might have people who work nine to five. All of those things, all of those uh elements create a more complex environment, uh, a more sort of fractured inverted commas environment where it's more imp- it becomes more important to have simple messaging and it and because we are in the business of delivering care, and as I started off by saying, you know the first our first priority is safety. So all of those elements I've mentioned and others create, you know, sort of disruptive patterns in communication. And therefore, it becomes even more important that we focus on, you know, creating an environment where people feel it's safe to speak up. And just touching on the first one a little bit, which is, you know, this sort of hierarchy. You know, the doctor is always right is not something that just applies necessarily between the doctor and the patient. You know, it is some staff feel intimidated by doctors. And, and you know, they are... a, a a rapidly dwaning population. And, you know, there are some doctors who do intimidate staff. As I said they're 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 dwaning in population. You know, the 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 modern the modern consultant, the modern doctors are 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 very aware that they are wholly reliant on the team of people around them. 
So the day of, you know, people throwing things around and operating theatres are, I'd like to say, long gone, although I'm, I'm not sure entirely. But, you know, that behaviour is just not conducive to a safe environment. So it's really, really important that people are able to speak up. And we often think that, you know, speaking up is something that, you know, just happens when we have a kind of major event. But actually, bad behaviour also needs to be called out. And um, I can remember talking to the previous medical director of uh, Speaking Up for Safety, and and he, we were just talking about the fact that, you know, it's not the doctors you think who are going to be the problems. It's the ones where they have, like, repeated bad behaviour, so not following proper hand hygiene, you know, bringing a Coke, for example, into the operating theatre. It's people like that who are going to be your problem children. It's kind of that low-level, constant... Yeah. Exactly. Warning, warning shots across the bow in some ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's 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 it becomes even more important, you know, in in the type of environment I've described, to create a culture where people are comfortable speaking up. I mean, you asked about measurement. I don't know if you want me to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think insights on that would be great because I think again, a lot of these a lot of these concepts we're touching on today around values around. You know, speaking up for safety, they seem a little bit abstract, I think, for certain folk when this is still fairly, uh, you know, it's linked to culture. And we know that measuring cultural change, behavior change can feel quite intangible in many healthcare settings. So it'll be great to get some insights from your perspective. Yeah, so every day we have a what we call a 10 at 10. Um, so we have a, a get together of the sort of operate, main operational staff in the hospital across the whole hospital for 10 minutes. And we just run through a quick set agenda. Just to, it's, it's almost like a every day, this is what's happening. We've got this number of patients in here. We've got this going on. We've got that going on. We've got visitors. And one of the things that we do is say, any speaking up for safeties from yesterday? You know, any, right. Has anyone got anything they want to... <clears throat> and, it, and it's quite surprising. Again, you make it real and you make it something that, 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 that feels very tangible. And as I've said to you as well, it's, it's also about how people see us behaving. So... You know, we measure it in a crude sense in that at the 10 and 10, we say, has anyone got any speaking ups? They want to just let anyone know about. But it, it's, it's that I suspect is the, the only way we really, really measure it. But we then discuss it at our uh, monthly governance meetings. Um, it ties in in some senses also to the Freedom to Speak Up Guardians, but you know, perhaps something we might want to pick up on a bit later. But um, that's how we measure it in our organisation. And that seems like a fairly fairly natural way to do things, right? You know, when you're trying to say this is embedded as part of organizational cultural values, this just becomes a standing agenda item, doesn't it? And um, and, and do you find that that kind of approach would also lend itself to kind of being deputized down the chain, as it were? So, you know, do safety huddles occur in the wards? Uh, and and would, would something like yeah. this also then appear in that format in some way? And there's kind of a chain of how this becomes just the way of doing business at Kibbs. Uh, absolutely. So I think maybe there's a sort of side point there is how have we taken it from something we've trained people in to being something that is part of our culture and part of the way we are? Because that's ultimately how you want it. Because we all have to do a lot of mandatory training every year in in, uh, in in all sorts of different things. But this is something which is further than just, oh, yeah, I've got those that skill set. It, it, you're trying to give people a a new way to behave almost. It, it becomes part of, it needs to become part of the DNA of the organization. And that's a lot more difficult. And I think, you know, my learning really on that front is, you know, we, we took us 18 months and we'd trained 
you know, nearly 90% of our staff and about 75% of our doctors who worked in the hospital. But I think it was only then that we understood the real magnitude of the challenge because just because you've got people trained in it, it doesn't mean they use it. So it's how do you get them to how do you get them to use it and talk about it? And so you have to bring it into your language. You have to kind of communicate it. You have to, as I said, you know, making it part of the 10 of 10, using it the safety huddles, the freedom to speak up, guardians, talk about it. We've created, I don't like the term because it's it's often overused, but we've created speaking up for safety champions across the hospital. And and so it's just something that's just permanently there. Yep. Yep. And I think it starts to seep into the organization the more you talk about it. And the other, the other bit which I think has made a big difference is I often draw people back to the reason why we decided to put it in, the reason we decided to go that route. Um, and I don't know if you want me to just to touch on that because, you know, for, for me, there are, you know, the, the organization, sometimes the memory needs stoking. And so, so that people really understand why we're doing it. I don't know if it would be useful just for me to briefly touch on that. I, I think I think that would be pretty critical to be honest because, you know, I think what you've alluded to is is the complexity of cultural change within an organization that then builds a bit of sustainability and legacy. Because, you know, you were describing before the importance of training, but that training in its own right is not sufficient. You discussed before the importance of value set, but then what is the trickle down for want of a a better phrase, of those value sets through the organization and how it links to recruitment and retention of staff. Um, and then looking at actually new ways of doing things in order to help embed the training, but also align with the values. So I think, yeah, any further exploration of that, I think would be really valuable. So we had two um, serious incidents at the hospital back in 2018. And um, when, we, when we looked at them, um, they they were both... Um, one was in the theatres and one was on the ward. Um, and we did, you know, as was called then, uh, a root cause analysis. We did a, you know, very very significant amount of um, research, research and investigation to why these two um, seemingly disconnected uh, things happened. And when we stood back, when, we were, when I read both of the um, root cause analysis, and when I really stood back and looked at it, the essence of what came out, the commonality between it was patient advocacy. And in, in one of them, it was a, not quite so clear. But ultimately, what, what had happened is that we had the, the staff, in one case, were trying to be the patient advocate, but the consultants weren't hearing them because something else was going on at the time. And in another case, um, I don't think we jumped high enough and shouted loud enough. Or maybe so clearly speaking the... up issues straight away, right? So on both occasions, Absolutely. an inability to Absolutely. speak up. Yeah, whether it was an inability or whether it was, you know, they were transmitting on a different frequency than the than the other people were receiving. Message sent on. was not message received. Absolutely right. So so we looked then and we thought, right, okay, we really need to do something about commonality of language, and. And we and we we looked around, and um, I, I spoke to somebody who works at another big hospital group, and had a chat with them, and they talked to me a little bit about the Speaking Up for Safety program. So it was that that introduced us to it. Um, so it wasn't oh, it's another gimmick on the shelf, let's shove it in. It was a genuine. Um, we had a genuine need for for a common language. Uh, perhaps that's oversimplifying it, but we had a genuine need for to put in a system that would help us to be to all become the patient's advocate, 
to all understand that when we say something, what we mean by that, if that makes sense. So, so for me now, when I talk to people about speaking up for safety, I'm able to bring it back to those stories, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. And I think it yeah. really means something because they were very significant events. And, you know, with this 500 people who work in the hospital, 270 consultants, you know, at that time, everybody knew about it. it it's really important to, to have a good reason why you're doing something and something that people can connect with. No, I think, I think that's, that's really insightful, Simon, because, you know, as a, as a practitioner, you know, from my perspective, you can imagine we, just at the coalface of practicing uh, medicine or surgery or, uh, you know, delivering care, you hear of incidents and you're aware of incidents and you can often see the responses. But if the two don't quite connect to shifting that gear organizationally, it can feel like things are being, you know, history is just going to repeat itself again and again and again. Yeah. Um, so, so I think it's, it's, it's really important from what you've described of again, connecting all those elements together, but also not necessarily reinventing the wheel, you know, finding a solution that works for you and fits with your organizational value set as well seems to make sense to help almost pump prime the changes that need to happen. Um, right. you know, that, that idea of a patient advocate, uh, is something perhaps we, you know, as you said, we don't always take for granted. We assume it happens, but probably doesn't always happen until the whole culture shifts and they recognize that someone's actually sensitized not just to speak up, but people are sensitized to listen as well. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, those two stories that you described clearly are very close to the organization and, and, and were a, a trigger for change in some ways. Yeah, and, and just, just, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting because it touches on my first point a little bit about the need for common sense as well. Now, if I give you a, a very recent example, um, we're all familiar with new scores and, you know, to, to, to look at, you know, deteriorating patients. Um, and new scores are one thing, but listening to a patient's relative is also very important in making an assessment about, you know, whether that patient is, is as you would call it, in medical parlance going off, I guess. But, yes. And, yes. and we had a recent situation where the member of staff concerned used and spoke up, okay, even though the new score was was fine, you know, was alerted by what the patient's relatives were saying. So it was a really good example of, and, and we're able to use the safety code to, you know, to elevate, um, elevate their concerns. I mean, they didn't get past check, uh, yeah. but it, it, it was, it was, it was understood that they were acting as an advocate for the patient, but they were listening to so it's not just listening to the patients, it's listening to, I think it's just, you know, for me, that epitomized a really great environment where they weren't just looking at a checklist. You know, they were, they were, their ears were open and they were hearing what our relatives were saying and, and, and they were able to then use the safety code to kind of, you know, to, to, to go and escalate this problem. Um, so I, okay. I think it, yeah, you know, I was very, I was I was very heartened when I heard that because I think we often think about, you know, it's speaking up for safety is about listening to patients and, but it's about being aware of your environment. It's about looking at all the other things going on um, and, and, and then using this, uh, this way of communicating to, to raise your concerns. No, really good. And I think just for the, for the listeners, just to touch base and distinguish the, the safety code and the speaking up for safety program is a is a particular program that NPS offers for for partners, healthcare partners. So if you're not familiar with the safety code, that's something you could probably check out online. But there's a specific course and training linked to that, and that's what Simon referring to. And and I think 
again, something that's really important that I just want to touch base on here is that from what you've described, this is kind of checking and, and communicating in the moment your safety concerns, as opposed to necessarily waiting for an incident to occur or for someone to kind of access the Freedom to Speak Up Guardian at a later date, you know, with their concerns. This is really about providing that little safety check at the time and elevating your concern at the time, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, and I think, you know, people, it's good to give people a variety of mechanisms or, you know, by which they can, you know, raise their concerns. As you said, some things are, they need doing here and now, and that's where the safety code is great. And there are other things where people might want to think a little bit about it and, and then go and speak to, you know, Freedom Speak Up Guardian. And, you know, every, every, but giving people a variety of options, I think, is also really, really good. But they're all ultimately about um, supporting a safe culture at work. So, I mean, all these elements that you've described, you know, from the common sense approach, embedding the values, shifting cultures, speaking up together, essentially, this is the power of the team, you know, is working together on that ambition to deliver high quality healthcare. And I think on, on that note, you know, I understand that you will soon be moving on to another role. As such, then what advice would you give to other leaders in creating and sustaining improvements to support this patient safety agenda? It, yeah, I am moving on, um, but I've, I, I'll be taking my uh, learning with me because that's one thing, <laughs> one thing you, you carry with you. Um, I, personally, I think that you have to believe in it yourself would be my first point. So, you know, we, I run an independent hospital. So, you know, clearly we're, you know, money is an important factor and, uh, and bottom line is an important factor and an important balance factor. But one of the things I've always said to our investors is the number one priority, and you're not necessarily going to like what you hear from me, is safety. Because if we get the safety, if we, it can take years. Some businesses never recover from safety incidences. So we have to be very, very focused on safety. So if I had one message to other people or the leaders working in healthcare, is, you know, my takeaway is safety has to be your number one priority. And you know, you can build from safety. It's very, very difficult to row back. Um, if, if you have incidents and you you don't have a culture that 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 uh, it's, it's it's talking about safety. And I, I guess the other thing is, in my head, you know, we we must accept human fallibility. And you know, it's all very well having these mechanisms and you know, having a strong safety, you know, culture in your business. But people will make mistakes. That's the nature of our world that we live in. And um, healthcare is ostensibly, you know, delivered by people. Um, and so it is a world in which mistakes are going to be made. And we mustn't beat ourselves up about that. You know, what we, what we need to do is to, yep, there's been a mistake made. We need to be open. Um, and we need to address that mistake and we need to learn from it. Um, so it goes hand in hand with safety. Um, it's about, you know, for, for me, it's about quality. It's the other word I would use. And, you know, not quality with a K, but quality with a capital Q. You know, when you make a mistake, having a culture such as we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes or so, you know, which is about safety, which is about openness that also helps you to learn from that mistake. Because people 
feel comfortable coming forward and talking about what they may and may not have done and how they might improve that. So it's not just useful to prevent. It's also very good in terms of corrective, if that makes sense. So those are that's. I'm not sure I'm qualified to give advice to anyone, but that that's what I will take forward. <laughs> no, I think that is sound advice. I think, again, for many folk, you know, myself included, I said it's, it's just a real privilege to hear from uh, a hospital leader speaking so candidly and frankly about the challenges and opportunities represented. But actually, that you know, that that kind of target bullseye focus on safety at the core. Um, and how that then filters out to everything else and the reason for being and enabling that to happen, I think is is really important for people to listen because, you know, in, in large organizations, frontline workers, whatever cadre they may be, can seem quite far removed from leadership. And I think what comes across so powerfully is the translation and and not just ripple effect, but the sustained waves of support to ensure that safety remains core to the agenda for the organization. So it's it's important, I think, for listeners to understand and hear that this is important for leaders as well and not just for frontline staff and patients. So I think we've, we've had a fantastic little kind of walk around some of these issues, but we started with a mountaineering conversation and I wanted to end on one, if that's okay. So, you know, clearly mountaineering is a passion for you and, you know, I'm curious what would be one of your key lessons or memorable experiences that continues to inspire you from that interest? I, ha- I have often talked about this with people at work. Um, you know, in, in any business you work in, you know, that business is going on a journey. And, you know, it doesn't matter what that journey is, but that business is going on a journey. And I often analogize the journey with walking up a mountain. Sometimes it becomes... You know, sometimes one becomes very fixated on the summit and forgets to turn around and look how far you've come. So I would say that, let me analogize that with the safety culture that, you know, ultimately we're trying to create a safety culture, which is in some senses utopian because we're never going to have 100%, you know, 100% safety. It's just impossible because of the reasons, you know, because of the, some of the reasons we discussed complexity of the environment that we're working in, the fact it's delivered by human beings and we're all fallible. But nonetheless, I think it's really, really important, just as when I'm walking up a mountain, I will turn around and see how far I've come, you know, to not become overfixated on the summit and to recognize what you've done and to always remember the lessons that you've learned and to use those to propel you, to keep propelling you to that summit, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that's my takeaway. And that that's my mountaineering analogy that uh, that they like to end on. No, that's fantastic, Simon. I really appreciate that. I think I need to learn how to enjoy the view on the way up a bit more. Um, and I think with that, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Simon. My pleasure. Healthcare is increasingly complex, where delivery of care is ever more dependent on teams. This complexity can mean that communications can be disrupted thereby impacting team dynamics, decision-making, and contribute to preventable patient harm. In addition, there has to be the acknowledgement of our fallibility and that we will make errors during our professional careers. As such, it's really important that we take time to reflect on the personal and organizational value sets that strengthen the team and enhance our ability for us all to be custodians of safety. Being such custodians, where we work together to create psychologically safe working environments, allows us to not only advocate for patients, but to additionally develop strategies to strengthen resilience and recovery 
and importantly, to rely upon and support each other as a team. If you're a member of Medical Protection, I strongly encourage you to join us for the upcoming virtual workshop, Beating Burnout. In this workshop, we'll talk primarily about taking care of yourself and loop back to psychological safety, a key foundation needed for patient advocacy and the ability to speak up. Look for the links in the podcast description to register. And with that, we reach the end of today's podcast, Hour of the Team. I've been your host, Dr. Najib Rahman. Thank you for listening.